Welcome to Gold with Jeanette Schneider, nuggets of inspiration for a bigger, badder, more purposeful life. Each week, we share wisdom, insights, and gold from those living their very best lives. After 23 years in finance and a fancy SVP title, I retired at the age of 41 to advocate for women and girls in life, love, and the boardroom. Now the CEO of my own media company, my goal is to change the world for my daughter and her friends. My first book, Lore, Harnessing Your Past to Create Your Future, dropped this fall and is based on what women wish they would have known when they were girls. This is purposeful content, big conversations, and a safe place for us to share our gold and our dreams for the future. Today I'm joined by Shelley Wolford, owner of Bloom Las Vegas, a co-working space for women. Aside from running a gorgeous space for risk-taking women to launch their careers, Shelley also shared a letter to her younger self in my book, Lore. It has been the one most asked about during my speaking engagements, and we'll tell you why. Shelley is pure heart and soul, a women's advocate and the sister of recording artist Pitbull. In our time together, we talk about actualizing our side hustle by making leaps from comfortable jobs to the unpredictable life of an entrepreneur, and we get deep in our feelings with advice to do the hard work and avoid the unintentional life. This is a grown-up conversation and covers topics surrounding sexual violence and loss, so fair warning for those who may be triggered. Let's dig in. I am so happy that you could come in. I have Shelly Wolford here with me today, and we have been friends for several years now because our interests continue to align in the women in girl space. And Shelly is the founder and president Owner. Owner. Now I've I've come to owner now. You're you're kind of like the magician. (laughs) So Shelly started um, an organization or a company called Bloom Las Vegas, which is a co-working space for women. And I had the opportunity to go down and experience the magic that is happening within those walls. And I wanted to talk to you about that today. Congratulations, first of all, because you just hit your first year. Yes. Thank you. It's been a wild ride, but amazing. Yeah. I love what I do. Well, and I know that you had been talking about this for a long time, how it's so important for you to create a safe space for women to come. And I love the business slant you put on it because in a world of self-help and a lot of cliches about how we all need to come together, you brought together these really powerful women who are there to work and to create, and they are just this entrepreneurial spirit, but a lot of magic in the middle of it. Can you talk to me a little bit about the experience from um, the decision to create this space to your membership today? Oh, yeah. So it was a dream, an idea I had for about two and a half years that I just kept talking about. Like, I want to open this space. I want to do this co-working space for women. Um, I was inspired by a space in the Bay Area called the Hivery. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a beautiful space. Um, Grace Cravinger. I'm probably completely butchering her last name because it's very Swedish. Um, But she was, I was following her on Instagram and just longing for a place like that here and I was looking around and touring different work spaces and was like gosh there's just nothing like it and then you know bubble over the head like wow there's nothing like it (laughs) maybe maybe there's an opportunity here to create something um so it was first and foremost I wanted to find a beautiful space um and I think we did that. We're in downtown Las Vegas on 7th Street. It's tree-lined. Um, you don't feel like you're in Las Vegas, honestly. It's like a little California bungalow um, that was a home and then was turned into a law office and now has been turned into the homey offices of Bloom. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so yeah, we opened about a year ago, and and the intention always was a place for women to get their work done. Um, it's not just you know meditation circles and and singing bowls. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we like have that. that. We have some of that for sure. Um, but we also have um, ambitious women that are looking to create, either take the leap like like you just did, to um, you know, doing the thing that they've really wanted to do and that that makes them feel alive and passionate. Um, but it's Bloom is a great place for women like that because you don't feel alone and you can feel very alone when you make the move from a corporate or structured environment into I'm doing this business on my own. And and I know the feelings of it. It's um, from day to day, it's this is the best idea I ever had to this is the dumbest idea I've ever had. <laughs> what am I doing? I want to go back and get the job and feel secure. Um, so I think that's probably primarily what Bloom offers is just a, a safe space for women who are risk takers mm-hmm. and want the community of other women that are like, hey, we've been there, we've done this, and this is totally normal that you feel like terrified out of your mind. Well, it's so funny that you say that because I just did make the leap, right, from corporate America two decades with a very cushy job and a great title and a paycheck. Yes, and, and benefits. Right, and, yeah. and insurance. And mm-hmm. then I decided it's time to make the leap. And it's so funny because I came to visit you. I did a workshop at Bloom for some of the women that um, co-work there. And it was hilarious because I didn't know how to dress because I was so used to my lined dresses and my corporate culture. And I'm like, who am I when I'm I'm this new person? Who am I to the world when I'm not, you know, kind of in that corporate America kind of perspective? And it, it is terrifying. You're kind of looking around and wondering, like, how you're going to make it work. One of the things I was so impressed with with everyone there is how much they want to help each other. Yeah, They're starting to find ways to kind of align their businesses and, and do things together. And that was really um, a refreshing thing to see because I come from a very competitive environment. Yeah. It's so funny. I get asked that a lot. Like, is it, what's the environment like? What's the energy like? The I would like to take credit for this, but I'm not going to. I just think that um, it's an environment where, where women really do just, they just help each other. Mm-hmm. They're just about like, God, how can we help you help grow your business? They're, I wish I had some of my members that could talk about how um, their clientele has, you know, boom like since they've joined bloom because of word of mouth because women are so good about talking about what we love and we want to help each other Mm -hmm. um so yeah i experienced that in the corporate environment as well i don't experience it at all at bloom it's so it's so much about just like there's plenty for all of us and how can we lift each other up and that's well, I wrote about this in, in my book when I, I went to, so years ago when Olivia was a baby, I went to Barron's Top Women Advisors in Palm Beach. Mm-hmm. And it was like the top of the crew, right? The, mm-hmm. the women who were really the top of their game in the financial advising space. And I was honored to be there, right? But one of the things I recognized is that when there weren't men in the room, we have a tendency to completely change the conversation. Mm. We, it's like you move into that kind of divine feminine, like I'm, I can be a mom, I can be a risk taker, I can also figure out how to take care of myself. I'm going to talk about it very openly. 
And when you put a man in the room, you could feel the conversation shift. Mm -hmm. And at that conference, it was really fascinating for me to have these high-powered executive women talking about how they read InStyle magazine just because it's brain candy. Yeah. Because they're like, oh, my God, and I they just watch ha Real Housewives. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, well, and there was this really cool experience. This woman, she was a top performer, and she was on the plane from New York to Palm Beach. And she was you know, dug into InStyle. The woman next to her was looking over charts and graphs and all this stuff, and she was just like, oh, my gosh, I'm such a loser. And she saw that they had the same kind of, um, what is it called, an agenda for mm -hmm. the conference. And she says to her, hey, um, you make me feel, I feel like a loser because I'm sitting here reading InStyle. She goes, oh, no, 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 you don't understand. I'm the keynote speaker, and I haven't prepared my speech because I just had a baby, and I'm trying to figure out how to, like, handle a sick child at home. Oh, my God. And be yeah. a chief investment officer of this huge firm. And I was like, oh, that's true life. Yes. That's real life. That's real life for women. Mm -hmm. That's. I was just thinking this this morning as I was driving down to work to Open Bloom before I came here. And yesterday I just chose to like not do anything. And I've been, I've been full force for a solid, I, I mean, probably all my life. <laughs> but I feel like it's been more elevated the last couple years. Like I had the baby girl I was taking care of and I mm -hmm. lost her. I started a business. Um, my business partner moved um, a few months after we opened and, you know, dealing with that transition. And so yesterday I was just like, I don't want to do anything. Mm -hmm. And then I kept catching myself feeling guilty for not doing anything. And like I watched Netflix, you know, like we all do. I mean, to me, that's like I have to get out of my head yes. sometimes. Otherwise, it's a constant to-do list always of what is not getting done. And we were having this conversation on Friday at Bloom. Uh, one of my members, she's 28 years old, Latina woman. She's so cool. Her name's Tita Cara. And she's starting a magazine here in Las Vegas. And she was talking about how she wants substantive articles. Like, she's a writer. She's a journalist. But she also wants to talk about, like, mascara <laughs> and, like, the best mascara to buy and skincare. And I'm like, it's okay. Like, you can – love mascara and have a soul right. <laughs> like, like it can go together right. you know to the you can read in style and be the keynote speaker and like that I think is just a uniquely woman experience yeah no I 100% agree and one of the things I have to I wanted to to dig into today was you are absolutely an advocate for women in all ways and Shelly wrote a love letter to her younger self in my book um, and it has been the one that's gotten the most questions and comments mm. um, because I think you're so raw and so real and you've had such amazing and traumatic and beautiful and terrible experiences <laughs> in life, but you've turned them into something really beautiful. And it's funny, I just got my Kirkus review of the book, and you're quoted in my Kirkus review. That. I thought that was hilarious. No, I'm that's like, of amazing. Shelley's quoted in my <laughs> Kirkus review. No, I saw that. It was incredible. It, well, it is, because I think you come from mm -hmm. the heart, and people, it resonates, especially with women, right? They recognize because you've turned something kind of tough, right? So you were in foster care, you suffered abandon abandonment, sexual violence. And then you're like, hey, here's my fist in the air. I'm going <laughs> to go and advocate for for women in all their iterations and all stages of their life. And it's yeah. such a beautiful thing. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about that because you have such wisdom and such gold. I wanted to talk about your gold. One of the <laughs> things that you said in your letter to your younger self it was, it's not your fault about some abuse that you'd been experiencing um, from the time you were four years old. Yeah. And that was really powerful every time anyone's asked me 
what's the most profound message you've received? And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that message and what it meant for you. So for years, um, so I actually started being molested by a uncle when I was three years old. So from the time I was three to 12, and then it stopped, and then I went to uh, the Naval Academy for college. So I, I joke, but it's the truth. Like I went from the frying pan into the fire. <laughs> like, but I, I deeply, deeply believed that I was going to be safe there, and mm-hmm. it's a, it was an institution of honor and integrity. Um, and it's funny because before President Trump was President Trump, he was quoted as saying that women in the military should expect to be raped. And I was like, I went through a really extensive process to get into the Naval Academy. And at, at any point, if somebody had said, hey, you should expect to get raped, I'd been like, okay, I'm out. <laughs> I'll go to Wellesley. Right. Right. I'll just go to – like at no point did anyone say that because it wasn't – I didn't – I really didn't know. I did not think that that would happen. And then it did. My first year, I was gang raped. And and the thing is, the gang rape wasn't even the worst part. The worst part was I ended up pregnant 14 weeks later and um, took a subway to Washington, D.C. to get an abortion. And I couldn't afford, like, the entire, you know, so I was awake when it was happening. Um, and then the next day I was back at the academy running 10 miles, mm-hmm. like nothing happened. So for years, what I did after I graduated and got out, I was like, I'm fine, I'm fine, it's fine. This is like, this stuff has happened to me. I can handle it. It's fine. Um, and then, you know, you get into your first intimate relationship and all that stuff bubbles right. to the top, like the truth of it. Um, that's when, after my first divorce, is when I started doing the real work, which was, I'm not fine. Like, this isn't okay, what happened to me. And there there definitely was this belief that I had that it was, like, my own fault. Mm-hmm. That, like, what, of course, you went to a naval, like, you went to a military academy. What were you thinking? Like, but... No, it's not. Like, it just wasn't my fault. And um, and I remember, you know, a conversation I had with my sister um, years ago, like when I was in my 20s, and she was saying how, like, it the, the molestation didn't happen to her because she didn't put herself out there like I did. Wow. And I was like, wait, what? I was three. <laughs> like, what? How was, like, first of all, she was, you know, she's my, I love my sister very much. She's my cousin because my aunt adopted me. Um, but the reason it didn't happen to her because she wasn't in the environment at all that I was. And then it also didn't happen to her because it was happening to me. Right. And that was like enough to keep them away from her and my other sister. So, um, so that, that affected me for a long time because I almost felt like she also thought that it was my fault. Mm-hmm. Um, so it took it was it was really just a lot of therapy and a lot of like destruct deconstructing that story in my head, um, and it was it really was the first thing that I wanted to tell my younger self because it's it just wasn't my fault it yeah. just wasn't and that's enough like uh, like there's no <laughs> there's nothing else that needs to be yeah said. exactly well and it's interesting too because I have a lot of people who are starting to read the book and who are like ouch this is painful mm-hmm. and they're they're bumping up against that first exercise where I'm asking you to really dig into your messaging and what you believe about yourself that may be untrue. And a lot of people are kind of like putting it down and saying, I can't do this right now. Yeah. And I loved a conversation you and I had um, probably a year ago on camera, which hopefully will eventually make it out into the world. Um, but in that, you even said, you know, it's it's painful to go through the work, but how much better can you be or how much better life is once you 
are willing to get to the other side of it. Yeah. And it's a thousand times more painful to not do the work. Right. I remember years ago when I was studying Kabbalah, I just started studying Kabbalah. And I'm fascinated by religions and philosophies and I've, you name it, I've studied it. Um, but the, my Kabbalah teacher at the time was like, Kabbalah is about intention, Shelley. Like everything you need to do is with intention. And I was like, God, that sounds like so much work. <laughs> like I have to think about everything I do. That's so like, no, that's so overwhelming. But the truth is the unintentional things that you do in your life, right? The things we've been programmed or that you're just not paying attention to in the, or the patterns you're repeating, those are actually way more work mm -hmm. than just stopping and thinking and breathing before you make decisions or you do things or you say things. Um, so actually living unintentionally is way more painful than intentionally. So for the people that are, that the women that are like, this is too painful right now, I would just say, just rip the Band-Aid, go for it. And then, and it'll, it's better on the other side. Yeah. And you just have to, you just have to do it. Just do it. It'll be better. Yeah. And you'll wish, it, they wish they'd have done it sooner. Well, and everyone that I've talked to that's like, I can't do this. I'm like, if you're crying when you're reading this, it's for you. Yeah. There's something about it. And the other side is so much better. Um, and we, we talk about this a lot um, too recently. Um, I've had to write a couple of articles. And they're asking me about choice and power, which I think is really interesting. And choice being intentional. Mm -hmm. Making sure that you're setting up your life from a place of power as opposed to staying in that victim blame yep. mentality mm -hmm. at some point in time. And I know this is kind of like – tough love but it's on you mm -hmm. you know there's a point in your life where you're kind of like I'm farther away from the situation I've spent more years alone than I have with that person yeah and I can't have expectations of them to fix this right so now it's on me to do the hard work yeah and it is it's super hard it is whether it's your parents or a relationship or things that happen to you um that's what I say in my letter to myself. Like the sooner that you can turn the question from why me, why did this happen to me, why is this my life, to what is the bigger picture here, what's the purpose behind the pain, and you know now I'm I'm so good at it now because I've been doing it for so long that when terrible things happen, I immediately go, all right, what's the what's the blessing in this mm -hmm. curse? Because I know there is one. Now it's just a matter of like when it reveals itself instead of. Because there's nothing, there's nothing good that comes out of being a victim forever. I mean, there just isn't. Like you can have been victimized, but now what? Like right. you got it. It's your life. Like take control of it and um, and turn it into something beautiful as quickly as possible. Yeah, you mentioned earlier when we were talking um, your baby girl, and I know that that's been that's been difficult. Have you? You were fostering a girl. Mm -hmm. who, whose mother was in prison or I think probably is still in prison yeah, for murder. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the little girl, they found her. There were some biological mm -hmm. parents that came or family members that came forward. Yeah. Um, and you were you were devastated. Yeah. And we talked mm -hmm. about that in our last interview. Um, and I'm curious, with the blessing and the lesson, have you found it yet? Yeah, I have. Um, I mean, the, the blessing was, because I'd always wondered, like, what kind of mom would I be? And... Um, being a mother was so important to me that and not bringing a child into a fucked up situation <laughs> I don't know what else to say besides fucked up um that like that was incredibly important to me because that's how I grew up so mm -hmm. I I wanted something better and different for my own child to the point where when I was in you know I've been married twice um bringing children into that situation wasn't I knew it wouldn't be right and I didn't I didn't want to do it so um so I was single and, you know, not, not 
having children except for my dog. And when I had the opportunity for Bella to come into my life, I, I took it. And it's funny because I had said for years that, I mean, actually, when I first met her, the very first time I met her, I was like, you're cute as a button. I take you home in a minute. Mm-hmm. And then I ended up taking her home a few months later and giving her a home for a year. And um, I mean, that was the blessing in it. It's the moments of, you know, as a mom, the moments that are quiet that nobody even else gets to experience. Mm-hmm. The bath time and putting her to bed and the giggles and just watching them sleep and hearing mama for the first time. And um I, I wouldn't take back any of that for the world, even though I lost it. And it was painful. It was the most painful thing I've ever, ever been through. And that's a statement coming from me. Um, I was just talking to my new therapist about it the other day, and she was I was explaining what it was like to have to hand over Bella in the airport, screaming and crying, and you were reaching out for me and I had to walk away from her which is my worst nightmare sure like that it was triggering everything right that's my worst nightmare um I cried I drank a bottle of wine that night and cried for three days and but I said to her I'm like after that like you could set me on fire and I would not flinch like that's the worst thing that's happened to me ever and now I've gone through that Mm -hmm. and now and she's like yeah but what part of you died so that that it could keep going. I'm like, God, there's a whole nother layer of stuff that I have to work on. But she's right. Like to when you when you deal with any kind of trauma like that, so something shut down mm-hmm. so that I can keep moving, moving forward. forward. Yeah. Yeah. So the blessing is that I got to be a mom. I got to love her unconditionally. I got to be exactly the mother that I always wanted. And I got to show up for a baby girl who needed me. Mm-hmm. You provided her foundation in Greece in a yeah. time period where there was none. She went from shut down, traumatized, to sleeping 15 hours the first night I had her and waking up and then coming alive as her little feisty self right. and her personality. So when all her needs were met and she wasn't worried about food or shelter or anything, she just was got to be a little baby girl. Yeah. And that's priceless for me. Yeah. And you probably will never realize what restructuring you did for her at that period of time in her life. Yeah. You know, being so young, being a toddler and wanting to have your needs met. Um so I I'm really I'm thrilled that you had that experience and that opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I think um I remember a couple of posts that you wrote about like you had no idea how hard it was to be. Oh my god. <laughs> Mother. It's so hard. Yes. It's so it's one of those things that you don't know until you're doing it. Mm-hmm. And I was my brother would say I was a legit single mom because I there was no one else. So everything that every support I had I paid for. And you're it's so it's so exhausting. My respect for parents of all kinds mm-hmm. like <laughs> would just went sh- shot up through the roof and then also single moms like it's it's so hard. It's so exhausting. But it's amazing how how in your most tired, like I don't know how I'm even moving. Like there's something that mothers have, like yeah. that just like. But I, it's like finishing the marathon. Like, but I'm still gonna go through it. I'm still gonna do it. You still do the routines and the bath time and and bring joy even when you feel like you have like all your energy stores are depleted yeah they're like uh, my daughter i love her to death but there are times where it's like almost a parasitic relationship <laughs> yes, yes. Like, i'm so tired yeah. you're adorable but today mommy needs a rest yeah. um 
question for you. I mean, with all of the experiences that you've had, you continue to show up bigger and better. You're like the phoenix that just continues <laughs> to remake herself. Um, I know that you have more plans for Bloom, and you've talked about possibly writing a book at some point in time. What's next? What are, what are your dreams and aspirations? This is funny. This is really good timing because I was just having this conversation this morning. Um, what I really want to do next, besides continue to grow Bloom, is a, um, a management company for artists, musicians here in Las Vegas. And I've been thinking, this has also been like an idea I've had. I, you know, I worked with my brother Pitbull for the last 10 years. And um, I see, I've seen firsthand how artists struggle to like get into, to be able to make a living doing what they love. And I, I just believe everybody should be able to make a living doing what they love. Um, but because I, I know the artist side and then I have the business background, I just think that there's a way to be able to help artists break and connect to their fans um, without having them sign their rights to their lives away with mm-hmm. like the music or some of the management companies. I mean, there are, there are a handful of managers, I think, in the music business that are good people mm-hmm. that aren't like totally taking advantage of the artists um, that they represent. And I just think also Las Vegas being such a city of entertainment like it's insane to me it doesn't have a stronger music scene mm-hmm. um i mean we have killers and imagine dragons um but so i was at a so far sounds on saturday night where they bring budding artists to somebody's living room it's really really cool and it was in blue diamond mm-hmm. have you been to blue diamond yes <laughs> I was like, i'm like where am i yeah. and it's in the middle of nowhere at these really cool homes mm-hmm. that i've like i've nothing i've ever seen in las vegas um but I was just watching these artists going, these these people are so talented, and all I want to do is help them make money doing what they love and connect them to their fans, and I know I can do that, mm-hmm. um, but I want to do it with soul. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> you. I know. Well, and, like and Shelly, one of the things she's not sharing is you helped your brother with his brand and his social media. You have you mm-hmm. had your own social media company yeah. for a very long time, um, so you have the ability, and I've seen some of his fans that still connect with you. Yes, they that do. are diehard Shelly fans. <laughs> Forget Pitbull. <laughs> like, I know. Shelly fans. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, what is, as far as if you could look at any anyone right now and share some like nuggets of wisdom and inspiration, which you already have. Like sometimes I don't even think you realize that um, when you're talking, you just share these beautiful, you're very eloquent. You have these beautiful things that you say that stick with people. It's like stick to your ribs type of conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, but like off of top of mind what messages would you want to get across what's your goal from your life from your experiences from um even as maybe a woman starting her own business what things would you want so deeply for other women to know the first thing I would say and this I have to give my brother credit because he was the one that that inspired it in me like it it was a life-changing moment talk about like nuggets of gold Mm -hmm. we were on um we were driving back from the keys after spending a few days together I joke that I can spend five days with my brother and then I have to leave because otherwise I'd end up in rehab of some kind (laughs) because he really is don't don't stop the party he's not kidding it's a lifestyle it's not just a song um so we were driving back and one of his songs came on and we were, he was telling me about the hook and how he came up with it. And um, it was time of my life that it was playing. And 
so we're, we're listening to it because it's crazy. Like, and you know, I'm mm-hmm. in this in the car with Pitbull, and his song comes on, and he's my brother, and we're talking. And it's just so weird. But I was like, Hermano, do you ever worry about money anymore? And he's like, Mama, I've never worried about money. I've always trusted my hustle. And it like, you know, hit me in my heart. And the on the flight on the way back, I was like, Do I trust my hustle? What is my hustle? <laughs> And and <laughs> since that time, I've like turned that into he believes in himself. Yes. And the thing that I see over and over and over again, and I have you know sixty plus members of Bloom. I'm around women all the time, like you. And the thing that I see over and over again is a lack of belief that women have. Like, and if you don't believe in yourself, then you don't have the confidence to take the risks or try you know something that's um, doesn't seem stable or. Um, yeah. So my number one would be like, you really, you really, really need to believe that, believe in yourself, believe in your dreams um, first. And then the second thing is it, like, just start it. I, and you hear this all the time, but I a hundred percent believe that. Like, don't wait until you think you have, it, it couldn't have been worse timing for me when I started Bloom. I was dealing with all the stuff with Bella. It was terrible timing. But it was also perfect timing mm-hmm. because then I think like after I lost her, if I didn't have my have bloom to throw myself into, I don't I don't know, it would have been harder for me to come out of the sadness and the grief. Um, but you just have to start before you think you're ready. You really, really do. Like just go for it. Like whatever that is. Absolutely. I, I believe that wholeheartedly. It's been harder for me just coming from a, a long career. But I had the ability to do a side hustle mm-hmm. in the in the midst of that, and that's what I've also noticed with a lot of the women that you support. Yep. This is their side hustle, yeah, and they're almost growing their confidence in relation to one another, yes, so that they can start to make that transition over. So I've seen Bloom become a part of that. That's been fascinating. One of the things I also think is really interesting. Someone asked me recently um, about intuition. Mm. and someone was talking it was an interview that I did and this woman said you know I just I'm so tired of all the self self help and all these people talking about intuition like you're just supposed to know and trust your knowingness she's like what what is that and I'm curious what your thoughts are on this because one of the things that I recognized in that kind of trust yourself and believe in yourself you also have to have a whole lot of self-awareness yeah you do and understand the difference between what knowingness is and what fear is. Yeah, I think that there's a difference. And sometimes when you're trying to decide if you're going to make a transition, you have to kind of figure out which voice is which. Mm-hmm. I'm just curious what your experience has been with that. Yeah, um, I think it gets, as I've gotten older, I've gotten much better at discerning the difference between negative talk mm-hmm. and like, actually, this is your gut telling you this is a bad like uh, direction to go in. Um, I will. I will tell you that every time I've ignored my intuition, things go catastrophically wrong. <laughs> like, so I don't know if that's the universe's way of telling me. Like, it, it in that way. And I could give you several stories, but it's. I have. I have learned through very painful experiences that when I have ignored my intuition, mm-hmm. like things just go really terribly wrong. So then I always have remembered that, um, that experience. So. I mean, oh God, I could talk about this all day. Um, I think the intuition, the difference, like one comes from your body and the other one comes from your head. That's like like the chatter. 
that's like, you can't do this, you're not enough, you're not qualified. That to me is not, that that's your negative self-talk that's trying to keep you from going. But when you feel, for me, it's like in my stomach, like when I feel it there, I'm like, okay, and I'll just pause and not make the decision yet to even give it some space to, am I still feeling this way every time I think about it, then then I won't do it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and if I'm ever confused about whether it's intuition or negative self-talk, I really will – then I won't make a decision. And sometimes, like, the decision will make itself. Like, someone will go away or, you know, like – Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I actually – I was um, looking into a business opportunity recently, and everything went wrong. <laughs> and not because of me. So it's, like, one of those moments where you're like, okay, so I'm get, being given a message, right? Mm-hmm. And I had one last choice to make, and if I made this choice – I remembered being like, it's going to be white knuckling, fingers crossed, like, I hope this works out. Yeah. And one of my friends kind of snapped me into, and I was I was doing what you did, where you kind of take a step back and you're just like, let me feel this out a little bit. Mm-hmm. And a friend sent me a text almost exactly the same time. And he said, I don't want you to force something because you feel like everyone's waiting for your answer. Oh, yeah. And I was like, I texted him back and I said, I have a deal with the universe that if something isn't meant for me, it will fall out mm-hmm. and everything has fallen out except this one last thing which would be me like holding my breath I think I'm gonna walk yeah and it was like one of those moments where you're like okay you know but I believe it takes a long time for people women men whomever to realize that we were born with the knowingness we just started kind of putting it in boxes and ignoring it and allowing programming and cultural expectations, social expectations to kind of overtake those. So a lot of times you're like, well, what will people think? Well, can I survive with this? Can mm-hmm. I afford this? What's going to happen in five years? Um, as opposed to that knowingness that's like, hey, hey, I'm still here. And I agree. Mine's in yeah. my body as well. Yeah. And I also think like like you said, self-awareness. I, I know when, like, my 13-year-old self is, like, arising. Like, there there have been – there was just recently an opportunity or somebody wanted to become an investor of Bloom, and this person was, like, a, you know, like a big deal. And I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. This is, like, all my dreams come true. That that was my first response. Like, they want to go into business with me. This is incredible. I'm legit. I'm legit. Right. And then, like, I had the weekend to think about it, and as the weekend went on, I was like, but I'd be giving up this, and what if their vision isn't aligned? And I can still, like, I'm bootstrapping it like a motherfucker, but I'm doing it. <laughs> and, you know, like, so it, by the end of the weekend, I was like, thank you, but no thank you. Like, this is, um, this was, you know, this is my dream that I, I'm still wanting to see to fruition in the way that I want it to. And I, I just didn't want to be beholden to um, any investors. And... And I, I, like, had to have a conversation with the little girl that's like, like, Shelly, you're good enough. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Like, even if this big name or um, – and I still struggle, honestly, with, like, like on my dark days. I'm like, is the coolest thing about me is that Pipple's my brother? <laughs> you know, because a lot of people think it, right? And, and I'm like, is that going to be my epitaph? Like <laughs> – you're like Shelly Pipple's sister. Like, like that's horrifying to I've me. I've never even imagined that you would think that. That's I why do I'm like, I'm that. not speaking because I'm yeah. like, what? Yes, I do. That's like, that's a, like, uh, I wouldn't say a fear, a concern that I have because I, like, I have my own things that I want to accomplish mm-hmm. and people that I want to help. And, 
Um, and again, I think that's like my little 13 year old junkyard girl self that's like, can't believe that I'm living the life that I'm living. Oh, I understand that 100%. Because I mean, you and I, even though we we have very similar, very similar Mm -hmm. backgrounds. And I completely understand that because there are days where I'm like, how did I get here? Mm -hmm. And do I deserve this? And is it going to go away soon? (laughs) And there's these moments where you're, you're kind of like the, 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 old stories of lack and security and safety all come bubbling back up but I will tell you right now like you are you have so much going for you you have so many people who love and support you because they can see your soul so like that just shocked me when you said that (laughs) I'm like no that's like like super vulnerable right there coming out but no that's something I think about all the time but you know also I think being I and again I have a new therapist that Mm -hmm. It's so funny. Like the the time you think that you've worked your stuff through, and oh, then yeah. <laughs> and then it's this like a new layer. Yeah, we were talking about this on, on Bloom on Friday. Like how, you know, in my twenties, I thought by thirty five, I'll have it all figured out. Like everything will be good. Right. Like, and then you're a grown up. Yeah, you're grown up, and you have it all figured out. <laughs> right. And then I got to thirty five, and I was like, eh, you know, still working on some stuff. And now I'm forty five, and I just started with a new therapist last week, and. You know, I was telling her my story, which you know how, blah, like you when you have to go and tell your whole right. story of it's like, yeah, yeah just bleeding at, onto their sofa. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the look of like horror or shock. Um, she was actually very sweet and like just she's like, I'm just going to hold space for you. I'm like, thank you. Um, but before I even like got to the I spent so much time working on um, the sexual assault and molestation, things that happened to me that I almost never consider that I was abandoned by my parents and passed around my family for the first seven years of my life. I was adopted when I was seven. And she's like, do you understand the wound that that has left? And, and I'm like, I think I do. Or how do I? <laughs> I don't know. Now I have to think about it. I'm like, I've thought about all my other wounds, but I haven't really thought of that. But that wound is the the girl that's like, am I good enough for mm-hmm. this? Like, this person wants to partner with me, then I must be good enough. Right. Or if, you know, my brother is this famous person, then I must be somebody. Or, and, and it's it's bullshit stories right. that we tell ourselves because of, you know, I, I get now. Because I was abandoned and mm-hmm. left behind like nothing. And when that happens with your parents, like the people that are supposed to love you do that, that leaves you floating in space for a long time until you can anchor yourself yeah no I was just imagining I mean just to be grounded right in in yourself and the one thing I will say about all of the self-help work and the there's a lot of stuff out there right now right Mm -hmm. and I think some of it is very well-meaning I get frustrated with the ones are like top five ways to heal your soul I'm like (laughs) um what (laughs) um I think that for anyone that's listening, you know, one of the things I've learned about my own healing and in the conversations I've had with you, Shelley, have been that the work is never completely done, mm-hmm. but your vantage point and the lens from which you look at your life can completely change. And I think you get you get really clear with your old stories, your old messaging and the things that need to be healed, and then you can reframe yourself. And that's where 
better boundaries come into place. Absolutely. And a new relationship with choice and the ability to manifest and to create. And you may still, and this is one question I get asked a lot, like why do you have to do all of this work in order to achieve? <laughs> because it shows up. Yeah, absolutely. Every place in your life. You can have this amazing career and you're going to go home and think you don't deserve it. Yeah. You know, or you're going to um, take care of yourself in ways that you shouldn't and heal old wounds you haven't by um, – drinking too much using alcohol or sex or whatever it may be fill in blank for like numbing behavior that makes you not feel the feelings yeah absolutely that's it happens all the time and and you see it in celebrities and artists that they have every I mean you look at like Robin Williams and Phyllis Philip Seymour Hoffman and like all these amazing artists that you think they had everything Mm -hmm. and then still had a like a a hole in their soul like a you know something that was missing and the thing that I think has saved me through the years is my ability to be able to sit with the darkness and not have to you know do something to make it go away just be able to sit and cry and go wow so my parents left me I'm lost the baby girl I'm like the worst thing that could I ever imagine at that moment is happening, but I'm still here. Mm -hmm. I'm still alive. I'm still breathing. There's got to be a bigger purpose for this. And, you know, it's up to me to find it instead of, and I mean, I'm not saying I don't, you know, there hasn't been nights where I'm like, okay, there's going to be so much wine. (laughs) I can't, like, I just can't deal with it tonight or I just don't want to feel the feelings. But, um, but most of the time I do feel the feelings and. Yeah. take action well I'm thrilled as someone that loves you and someone that's part of your community that you feel the feelings and that you share the feelings because you have normalized things for so many women who needed maybe to hear your words or to see a Facebook post that you write or an Instagram post about how we spend so much time covering ourselves up with makeup and shine <laughs> and we're like my life is amazing look and mm. for other women who are coming up to see real right? To be able to see things haven't always been amazing, but I'm still here and I've got grit and I've got soul and determination and authenticity and generosity. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that's such a beautiful thing. So I thank you for your words and what you do for our city and our community and everyone in it. And I guess the one of the last questions I have for you, is there anything else? Like I know I asked you, Gold, if, if you could share one last thing with anyone, any woman or girl, what would it be? Love yourself. Like, for real. Um, you know, like, we talked about the, the all the woo-woo that's going on and everybody. It, people say it all the time. Mm-hmm. I think it's a whole different thing to, to do it. And loving yourself, to me, means you look at all of it. You look at the light. You look at the dark. You look at the shittiest, awfulest thing you've ever done. And you accept it. And it's okay. And you forgive yourself for it. And you do better. And you when you don't do better, you still like give yourself a break and go every day I'm better. Every day I'm working and, you know, to the, to the goals, to the life I want to live, to be the woman I want to be. And I'm loving myself along the way. And loving yourself isn't, you know, fine. Like it's getting out of the, the dysfunctional relationship or the, Mm -hmm. it's getting out of the job you hate. It's, you know, it's loving yourself is showing up for yourself in all areas so that your soul can grow and be its most authentic self. So that's what I would say. Like do and you know, you'll know that you're loving yourself by the way you feel. Mm-hmm. And I also think you'll feel free. Like yeah. that to me, like I know 
when I feel the most loved by myself, I feel free. And that's an amazing feeling. It's beautiful. And I think you, I mean, you basically took that love yourself. It could be a little quote on a page, but you went deep with it, right? And I think that's the one thing that people need to realize in the self-help space Mm -hmm. is that the words are beautiful, Mm -hmm. but go deep with them. Yeah. Right. Understand that that might mean, like you said, ending a relationship, redrawing boundaries and telling people, hey, this is how I want you to show up in my life now. So very, very um, wise and beautiful as always and i want to thank you so much for coming down here and doing this with me me. of course you always have such beautiful things to say Mm -hmm. so thank you for sharing thank you so much pleasure to be here thank you so much for joining me today i love shelly's advice to rip off the band-aid and get into the dirty business of building an intentional life If you love what we talked about, please subscribe, leave a review, and don't forget to share with your girlfriends. I'm always interested in content that uplifts, so if you have things you'd like to hear about, please share them in the show notes. You can also find me on Instagram at ms.janetteschneider or Twitter at msjwrites. Additionally, if you'd like to get deep in the work with me, pick up my book, Lore, Harnessing Your Past to Create Your Future, now available on Amazon and barnesandnoble.com. Until next time, in the words of my grandmother, love each other every day.